When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello there, you're very welcome to the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast, Thursday, November 10th, the first full day in a world where Donald Trump is going to be President of the United States. At least we had the early hours of Wednesday morning Irish time, those precious first two hours before the shit started to hit the fan. <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of felt that since I didn't really sleep at all Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, that... I, I was existing in a kind of a dream state for most of yesterday anyway. Yeah, it didn't feel uh, totally real. But I did get my, my good solid eight hours of <clears throat> kip time, sack time, last night. <laughs> so yeah, this is it. Today's the day. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of ill feeling towards America today. I think it's fair to say this is a country, after all, that has looked deep into its soul and decided to send out a bigoted, xenophobic, misogynist into the world as the embodiment of its country's values. Not good. Not good at all. But don't despair totally. After all, this is the country the great country of America that gave the world Saved by the Bell. Mm. LA Gear Runners. Chicken McNuggets. Chicken McNuggets. That's that's mostly it. But anyway, three really, really good things that they sent out into the world. And today on the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast, we're going to tap into the goodness still left in the heart of America because we have a very, very special announcement to make on the show today. It concerns our very favourite American broadcasting hero. Can I announce this now? Do we, should we, can I? Well, there's no, no point in delaying it any further on. Will we get him on first? Yeah, let's go. Okay, let's get him on. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. I'm deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. We're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. Ryan, forget for a moment, please, President-elect Trump. Forget the apocalypse <laughs> going on. Forget, Just forget all of that. Well, until we dredge it up again in a couple of minutes' time. The big news that we've been bursting to deliver is that our beloved US Murph is coming home, Brian. Sunday, December <laughs> it's 4th. A, 
It, wait, say that again? What? You're say that again? Coming home, Brian, Sunday, December 4th, Liberty Hall Theatre in Dublin City Centre. You, for the first time in how many years? Oh, my Lord. The the U.S. Murph, Irish Murph reunion, the get out of Dodge because Donald Trump is president-elect trip. It's on, baby. I have not been back to your beautiful homeland since 2000 and what, one or two? So much so that my passport's expired, boys. We better make this quick. I got to get down to the post office and get a damn new passport. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I am I am bringing my – I am bringing my – I'm getting out of Brexit America – I'm coming to see you guys. You know, last night, about te- just a few hours ago, I was watching our president-elect speak, and as my jaw was being picked up off the floor, I said, the only thing I need right now is the comfort of good friends, the comfort of lifelong compadres. I need my boys, the second captains. So I called my people at Aer Lingus, and they said, we have your back, U.S. Murph. So courtesy of those great, fine people, I said, I need, I need a hug. I need a pint and a hug, boys. Can you do it? Can, oh. you, get, can you go two for two? Yeah, you can get a lot of column A, and I'd say a lot of column B after mm. column A is fulfilled. Yeah, column A usually leads to column B, so it's, it's, it's all the good. It works. The show, Murph, is going to be entitled The Gang's All Here. It's a live event. It's going to celebrate our 750th Irish Times Second Caps podcast. It's an end-of-year show as well, Sunday, December 4th, and I'll deliver the details on how people can get hands, get their grubby mitts on their tickets later on in the podcast. But I don't know, what are the... Yeah, it's amazing. What are the what are the I'm old? Getting, I'm getting emotional. First, first question: Is there a dress code? Do I know what do I? I got to wear like a um, what do I wear? Do I wear an Ireland rugby jersey after the big win in Chicago? What do I wear? A Cubs jersey? Do I yeah. wear a Donald Trump mask? What do I do? <laughs> I would say forget the Donald Trump mask. It's too early. No, yeah. but it's December fourth. By that stage, maybe maybe it'll be it'll be all right. No, no, I, I kind of uh, see a kind of Diana Ross style multiple wardrobe changes for you. So uh, <laughs> yeah, pack pack a full case. Uh, Pack a full case. There's nothing like a shirtless U.S. Murph at the theater. What's the theater we're going to, boys? Courtesy of Aer Lingus. What's the theater? It's called the Liberty Hall Theater, uh, in, just on, uh, on the on the keys in Dublin. A new venue for us, Brian, but... Uh, Biggest our- hall we've ever played, but I mean, hey, Brian, you know, you got to roll out the red carpet here. You know, you got to ensure that there are as many satisfied fans as possible. Has the buzz reached the streets of... Uh- uh, has the buzz reached the streets of Ireland yet? I mean, uh, how are the people reacting? No, I mean, well, this is it. I mean, they're finding out at the same time as uh, as they're listening right now, Brian. That is basically the first time they've heard of this. So I could sense, I sense the pulsing excitement and and uh, and enthusiasm coming through. And what's our what's our start time? When's the show? Uh, well, it's, I think it's like half seven. We'll, like we'll, we'll iron out the details. We'll iron out. The yeah. See, but this is what I love about Brian. He's such a he's such a meticulous <laughs> broadcaster. He wants every detail. We can't. We got to spoon feed this to yeah. uh, down our listeners' throats, Brian. One detail at a time. There will be a superstar lineup of guests, though, of which you will be the star. Well, my biggest question is: do, Does my trip on Air Lingus get me a, a, a copy of the Volume Two Sports Annual? You get a copy of the Second Captain Sports Annual Volume Two, Brian. That is yours for the return flight home. On Aer Lingus, on board a comfortable Aer Lingus flight. Listen, enough of the celebrating, enough of the uh, mutual backslapping here. We've got to get into the nitty gritty. We've got to lance the boil, Brian. The Donald Trump shaped boil in the middle of your soul. I don't know where the hell I'm going with this analogy. Oh my God, can you see the funny side yet? Is there such a thing as a funny side to this madness? Well, listen. 2016, right? And you guys did this in your beautiful uh, tribute, which, by the way, I was one of the 85% that wept at the uh, video that you guys made for the uh, the annual. 
when you guys made that beautiful tribute, you you inst- 2016 started with the death of David Bowie, right? It was like, Jesus, what's going on? And then we moved on to Glenn Fry, the Eagles, and then of course, then we got the Whammies. Prince passed away. Muhammad Ali passed away. Arnold Palmer, even though he lived a full life, passed away. And then like, and I was starting to think like, then the Warriors blew a three to one lead in the NBA Finals. And we were like, is 2016 the worst year ever? It's like, it's the worst year ever. And I started to have this feeling around September. I was like, I really think the only logical conclusion to the worst year ever, this apocalyptic year, is going to be a Donald Trump presidency. This huckster, this this reality TV star, this P.T. Barnum, this guy for whom really nobody really truly knows what he stands for because he's actually stood for both sides of an issue on almost every issue in the last 15 months. This guy who's just running for purely narcissistic and egotistical reasons and sort of riding the backs of rural, white, non-college educated Americans putting out dog whistles to get them to the polls and taking advantage of an awful flawed candidate in Hillary Clinton, so ridden by scandal and so ridden by fatigue, voter fatigue. So in many ways, the guy, as as hard as it is for me to say this, he was a genius in that he – he played on the current state of American society, which is short attention span. So he's just going to tweet, just tweeted his way and wrote kind of outrageous headline grabbing things in tweets. And to a lesser extent, he went reality TV. He went reality TV. And in reality TV on our side of the pond, at least, I'm sure it happens over there, whether it's Big Brother or Survivor or these shows that we have, the heel or the villain, the bad guy, usually wins. And at the end, when they always vote, the people voting for the, the guy who was the biggest jerk or the woman who was the biggest jerk the whole time, the, the, the people voting for him say, you know what? You played the game the best. I have my respect to you. You played the game the best. And I was like, it's kind of what happened. And on top of that, boys, we're left with another one. This is the second time in 16 years she wins the popular vote and loses the election because of our crazy electoral college, which seems way more 1787 than 2016. Meaning people like me in California where it's so, you know, quote unquote, coastal elite, our vote really doesn't matter because she won California massively by millions of votes. But all she gets is the same 55 electoral votes that she gets by combining a couple other states. So all of our votes essentially just kind of go off into the void. She got more votes just like Al Gore did in 2000. But that's not the system. He gamed the system. And I don't know what's going to happen now. No, this is the question, Brian. And David Remick tried to address this a little bit in his editorial for The New Yorker, at the end of which he said, late last night as the results were coming in from the last states, a friend called me full of sadness, full of anxiety about conflict, about war. Why not leave the country? But despair is no answer to combat authoritarianism, to call out lies, to struggle honourably and fiercely in the name of American ideals. This is what is left to do. That is all there is to do. Which is an interesting sort of end. It's it's defiant, sort of, if you know what I mean. It's like he he obviously feels like he has to say something positive to round out the piece about Donald Trump becoming president. But even Remick didn't sound too convinced about what's coming next. Well, and, and that's the big mystery. And like I was saying earlier, like somebody traced in 15 months, he's taken both sides of almost every issue. He was mostly a Democratic donor who was pro-choice on abortion and very sort of left wing on many of his topics. So you're not sure what he truly believes in. What was really interesting is right now, at least right now, the good news is there's been relative calm. His speech, his concili- his victory speech was incredibly unlike the character he played during his campaign. 
which makes you believe like what like what were you voting for? I mean, he played it totally down the middle. Heck, he was talking about building br- bridges and roads and freeways and all this federal expenditure stuff that you hear from Democrats that you don't hear. Yeah. But he's also talking about cutting taxes. You're like, okay, so you're going to build all sorts of new roads, but you're going to cut taxes, which is going to cause a problem. <laughs> you don't have the money to do it. He's talking about doubling the growth and bringing jobs back, but he has no real plans to do any of these things. I truly believe he's one of the great, you know, he's P.T. Barnum, really, is what he is, which is a part of the American tradition. The traveling salesman, you know, the music man in the in the musical, the music man you, these guys who go from town to town the wizard of oz who uh, you know was doing his caravan around town and he sold snake oil and now he's kind of there's a movie called the candidate with robert redford where he yeah. does this whole thing where he runs and at the very end when he wins he goes so what do we do now and i got to imagine there's a lot of that going on with him the other thing that drives me crazy is this he he, he appealed so well to the to the rural vote or the or the sort of the white america vote that and that wanted to quote drain the swamp, drain the swamp, you know, and 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 what's the first thing I hear last night is oh my transition team will be headed up by Governor Chris Christie and Rudy Giuliani, and I'm like what's, wait a minute these are insiders all the way these guys have been in the game just as long as Hillary Clinton so what are we talking about it's a it's a con it's a scam there's no draining of the swamp it's just the insiders from the other side of the aisle uh, Alabama Senator Jeff Sessions I mean if he wants to drain the swamp he'll make a for U.S. Apprentice fans, there was an African-American female named Omarosa who made got quite famous because she was very dramatic on his show. If he wanted to drain the swamp, he'd make Omarosa Secretary of State. You know, Instead, I'm hearing Christie, Giuliani, Jeff Sessions. I'm like, well, yeah, well, there's the swamp. You know, So, I mean, uh, I'm trying to take a little bit of the Remnick view, which is, listen, it's a republic for 240 years. People are fundamentally decent, I hope. Uh, and I also feel, you know, so that we will survive. The Grateful Dead, uh, Touch of Grey, we will survive. We will get by. You know, it's a four-year deal. It's how I felt when Bush beat Gore and, geez, he started a war in Iraq that none of us liked. And we're still here. The Republic's still here. And Obama won two terms as a result of that. So, you know, many thoughts, just kind of wrapping up a long thought here, is that it is hard for a two-term party to get a third term. It's very rare. It happened when Reagan was succeeded by George H.W. Bush. But other than that, frequently, and I think history shows that when you have a two-term president, frequently the opposite party wins the next term because of fatigue to a certain degree. But I also feel like he played the game so brilliantly in putting out what people are calling sort of those racist dog whistles. You know, of talking about global elites and levels of power that a lot of people saw as anti-Semitism and talking about Mexicans as criminals and rapists, which is a lot of how, you know, you lose your job, you want to blame somebody, right? And talking about banning Muslims and bombing the S out of ISIS, which doesn't really mean anything because nobody really knows what that means. So what he did was he sort of put out a, a, a dog whistle and, you know, the rapper Chuck D from Public Enemy and the rapper Ice-T have been tweeting this morning saying things like, wow, this is, we know the deal. And Chuck D said, this is what we, this is, he said, this has been coming since the 1995 OJ Simpson verdict and two terms of Obama that white America has seen too many smiling black faces for the last 20 years. And they're seeing a country that's getting browner and browner, mixed race marriages, Latino immigration, uh, blacks taking over, you know, a black man in the White House, all that stuff. And he has, I think, white America, kind of Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, white America has maybe one last sort of death rattle in them, you know, sort of the sort of the their their last chance to say that this is the browning of America and the the millennial millennialization of America 
and the and the blueing of America. You know, plus states like Colorado and New Mexico and Nevada and almost Arizona now are are turning blue on them. That this is sort of their their death rattle, kind of their last gasp. And and he appealed to that in in many ways. It was brilliant. So ha- that's what we got. We also had a voter turnout that was way down, guys. And his vote total right now is at fifty nine million, which is less than what Mitt Romney got as a loser. So he took advantage of. The lack of enthusiasm for Hillary, too. So, and, and God only knows what's next. Um, you know that people around the world love America and that we love America. In, in, here in Ireland, America was the shining city on the hill that Ronald Reagan spoke about to, for years and years and years. Do, do you see the, the reputation of America suffering gr- so grievously that it may never recover from something like this? If you look at the, the reaction around the world... It's not one of disappointment. It's it's actually one of horror and of of dismay. Yeah, that's w- why we all those of us who voted for Hillary Clinton, and and I did quite frankly not because I'm a huge Hillary fan. In fact, I'm not a big Hillary fan. Very, she's to me, she's not a very skilled politician. She's sort of a technical wonk, et cetera. She's not really a great, inspiring leader. But my vote was strictly against Donald Trump. Like, there's no way we can have this huckster. This this circus salesman in the White House. And so we all fear that. There's this kind of early talk, just talking 12 hours after the election, you know, that that the majesty and the history of the office may sober him up. That he may, the best case scenario is that the, seeing Abraham Lincoln's portrait or seeing George Washington's portrait or Teddy Roosevelt or whoever in the White House will somehow realize, make Trump realize that he can't be the banned Muslim guy, the build a wall guy, the uh, we're we're tearing up every trade deal we've ever made. uh, We're isolating America from the rest of the world, that the character he played during the primaries was just that a character. And he geniusly played his way into the White House. Again, I do want to add with fewer votes than Hillary Clinton, maddeningly so. But that that character will will step aside for the, the kind of middle-of-the-road guy who actually used to donate to Hillary Clinton's campaign when she was a New York senator. So while I fully understand and share and why I voted the way I did was because I didn't want this guy to be the face of America, kind of like how proud we all felt when Barack Obama was our president. I mean, for the people who are out there thinking so lowly of America, which I understand, also remember this is the country that did vote Barack Obama in twice in 08 and in 12 and that you know that that's the same country and there are various numbers of reasons why it didn't translate into Hillary Clinton but they aren't all because America is a rotten country at the core that is all racist and 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 fearful and isolationist and all those terrible things it's still the country that voted obama in twice it's still the country that has all the good things and the best 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 hope is that the majesty and honor of the office will somehow sober him into a more centrist character and that he surprises us all, that he surprises us all. Because if not, guys, if not, then the fears that we all had, that it's sort of the end of the, the beginning of the end of the republic. We do have a system in place that four years from now he will have to decide whether he wants to run again. I've already heard a buddy saying he thinks he'd only be a one-termer. But just to kind of say I'm out after four years, and just to keep it light, you guys remember who announced his candidacy for 2020 about a year ago, I think at the MTV Video Awards? Kanye, Kanye West. Remember He's Kanye 2020? <laughs> Vote Yeezus in 2020? So we could have 
Kanye West v. Donald Trump <laughs> in 2020, at which point I get on a spaceship and I head to Mars. All right? Brian, no need to go that far. You can get on a lovely Aer Lingus flight and fly over to Dublin. <laughs> Sunday, December 4th, we'll give you the bolt hole that you need. The gang will all be here. Cannot wait. I'm getting hugs and pints, right? Hugs and pints, Brian. Hugs and pints. Thank you. And, and that's that's all thanks to Aer Lingus, of course. Right, guys? What are you saying? <laughs> you just a phony, man. This is just what I admit I don't look like the athlete of the day. Supposed to look. This ain't wrestling. This ain't the WWE, baby. My belly's just a little big. My heart is just a little big. This is just an act that you're doing. You should be an actor. But, brother, I am bad, and they know I'm bad. <laughs> I'll never do that. There were two bad people. One was John Wayne and he's dead, brother. And the other was right here. Oh, you, can, you can run around like you're a preacher and all that you want, but baby, I promise you, I will baptize you. Oh. Oh, this, man. You can't teach that. Ah, yeah, I feel a release that I've been able to share the great news about Brian coming over. If you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning and even further back than that, mm. you'll know how much we love Brian Murphy and how much he loves Ireland. So it's with great pleasure that we present him to you on Sunday, December 4th to celebrate our 750th podcast. It's amazing. It's absolutely yeah. brilliant. And, and now we have to think about the, the various things that we need to, to do with Brian now that he's here. I mean, I, I suppose we should throw it open to our American-based listeners. I mean, what what... What do you do with the Yanks when they arrive? I mean, do I have to bring him to the Guinness Storehouse? See that? Yeah. See, it's been a long time since he's been here as well, as you said. Yeah. So things might have changed. I don't even know what the Guinness Storehouse, what the vibe was in 2001. Yeah. Bring, uh, bring him out to the, the hut in Fisborough where he worked as a glass collector. Did he not drink there and work in O'Donoghue's? No, he, he worked in the hut as well. Right. But he... He was a what? He was a glass collector extraordinaire, apparently. Yeah. Around and then he was a barkeeper in... Bar... Barkeeper. Bar- barkeeper. Bar- yeah. What the hell am I talking about? He was a barbad mm-hmm. in uh, O'Donoghue's on Marion Row, so I suppose we have to bring him there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a... You know, do you, do you take in a Pro 12 game? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> uh, the Leinster Senior... Club championship final in Nolan Park or Port Leash or somewhere. I don't know. Listen, I don't know. I've, I've got. I've got. I have to get planning. On there'll be plenty to do now. The details. Tickets cost twenty two euro fifty. But with your ticket, you get a signed copy of the Second Captain Sports Annual Volume Two, worth seventeen ninety nine. Do the math, as the Americans would say. Just take off that S. Do the math, and it's I think exactly, buddy. Exactly. Why have I forgotten your name, Nate Diaz? Nate Diaz. So do the math, and it looks pretty good. That's €22.50 with a free copy of the Second Captain Sports Annual Volume 2. Signed copy, I should say, worth seventeen ninety nine. We've got a really limited number of tickets in the historic Liberty Hall Theatre, but they'll all be lovely cinema-style seats. You can bring your drink from the bar into the theatre to watch the show and see all your superstar guests. And after all, this is your chance to come along and personally boo your most hated slot on the podcast, be that Ken's Ghouls, Owen's Poems, The Fairview. Well, nobody hates The Fairview, No, actually. everyone loves Yeah, everyone loves The Fairview. But you can boo Ken's Ghouls or Owen's Poems if they get an airing on the evening. For a chance to get the tickets, go to secondcaptains.eventbrite.com right now and get your hands on those bad boys. Second we'll, Captains, uh, we'll tweet those, tweet yeah, those links we'll put and it, put them on Facebook. Yeah, we'll put them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. But if you want to go straight to the website and buy the tickets, secondcaptains.eventbrite.com. Dot com. Now, and a big thanks to our friends at Original Penguin Clothing, also for helping make this happen. Now, Conor McGregor is in New York with uh, for his fight with Eddie Alvarez on Saturday night. And it's a strange one, Murphy's really toned down the rhetoric. I have an unhealthy obsession with spending money. But I have a healthy obsession with making it. 
So it's all good. <laughs> got this fight coming up with Eddie, and uh, obviously he's on the reverse. Who? Who the fuck is Eddie? Who's Eddie? Eddie's getting his ass whooped and slept. I mean, Eddie, that's the farthest from my mind. I hear them, all they keep doing is talking. Talking about me and what I'm doing, what this, that. I don't give a fuck about any of them. He's not the hero we want this week, but maybe he's the hero we need. <laughs> yeah, that was part of the UFC Embedded, isn't that what they call the series? Uh, we, we might want to give the setting for that as well. I probably should have done that before playing the clip. He is heading around New York City, being driven around in his new Rolls Royce delivered that was delivered to his hotel. A sort of a matte black finish. Quite a classy finish. It made me think if I ever was to purchase a Rolls Royce Murph, I would like mm. the matte black. I probably wouldn't emblazon it with the McGregor, the notorious logo that's on the outside of it and the big Colin McGregor head. But I would, I would certainly go for the matte black option. Yeah, yeah. He also, I'm, I'm, would, I'm, yeah. I'm, <laughs> there's just a there's a, a dichotomy at work there. I feel that if you buy a Rolls Royce Ghost, you know that says one thing, and then if you drive a car with a picture of yourself and your nickname emblazoned all down the side of it. That says another thing. Mm. But uh, I suppose I, I shouldn't think too deeply on this. No, that will be your you biggest know, mistake. Yeah, yeah. He also said this week, Saturday night I become immortal. I'm immortalised when I get the second belt and raise it up. It's never been done before. Do you think he possibly is immortal? Would he be immortal if he wins? Would you say that? I, 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 you I think your neck on the line and say, Conor McGregor will never die. <laughs> you know, I, I think he will die at, at some, some stage. I yeah. think, you know, you'd have to say that taking into account the full sum of human knowledge up to this point, but the, look, here we are, the 10th of November 2016, everything that's happened up to this point would suggest that Connor will at some stage die. I don't know. The world has gone absolutely haywire. All the old values are gone. Where if we can't look back to history, all we can do is live in the now, and the yeah. now is a strange, scary place. Listen, Maybe Conor McGregor will lord it over generations and generations after we're long gone. Uh, listen, on you know, we're part of a cosseted media elite. We exist in an echo chamber. An echo chamber. Uh, maybe we just don't understand what's really going on out there. Maybe going on out there. There are hundreds and thousands of of people who have actually not died yet. Yet that we've ignored. You know, uh, it's the America or the Ireland that we've chosen to ignore for too long. And maybe Conor McGregor is the man to give us our payback. The for all new world <laughs> of the championship. That guy's 3,000 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Potter of Flow Sports is ready to talk to us about this fight. Jeremy, good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you guys. It's a pretty exciting one in the sense that it's in Madison Square Garden. It's the first ever UFC card in New York City and it's going to be carried, obviously, by the sport's biggest star. How big a deal is this scene? It sounds like something the UFC have been trying to get done for years to get a fight on, to get a card on, to get the sport essentially legalized in New York City and it's finally happened. Yeah, I mean, for the UFC, it's about it's about perception, right? Like, uh, you know, Lorenzo and Dana and, and the rest of them, they, you know, they fought for years to to get to this point because New York is the media capital of the world. This is, you know, I mean, once you're in New York, you're, you can be everywhere. And it's just like the one place that kept them out. And so they never, until they did it, they never really shed that, that, that image that they had back in the old days of the outlaw organization that was, you know, uh, crapped on by John McCain and everything like that. This is the moment when they shed that, they shed that image because they're in New York. It's Madison square garden. And look like, I mean, 
they call Madison Square Garden the Mecca. I mean, it, it is the Mecca um, to a lot of people. But, I mean, like, I've been to Madison Square Garden. There's nothing special about that place. It is an old, old building. Um, it's not a very good-looking building. The inside it's of the it, history, it's though, Jeremy. Sh- terrible. Yeah, sure, yeah, it's, it all the, it's, it's all the history, history largely boxing-based. Like, it is the history. Yeah. Yeah, it's the history. It's the fact that they're there. The biggest fights uh, have been there, and now they are there. And, um, man, I expect this to be a really, really huge fight. Why so? Why are you optimistic about it? Well, I mean, look, Conor McGregor, I mean, uh, yeah, if you guys have been following what MMA Junkie has been reporting, um, yeah, I, Conor McGregor is unquestionably the UFC's biggest star, and to an, a, a degree that we didn't even really realize how much money over 600 million dollars in revenue for them on his fights alone um so i mean here he is going for the lightweight championship become the second person to hold the title uh, you know um or the first person to hold two belts in two divisions at one time like that's history in the making um that you even if you took connor off this card it's still a huge fight just because of the rest of the card and the fact that it's new york but you've got connor mcgregor i mean and Guys, I know I've talked to you in the past. I mean, you know, we talked as Connor was beginning his rise, and now um, there. I mean, there's no, there's never been a star as big as Connor. There, Brock Lesnar's not as big a star. Uh, Ronda Rousey, nobody comes close to Connor. And, and this fight this weekend, man, is his chance to really put a stamp on what has been a, a really extraordinary career. How long is he going to be able to continue to pull off this master stroke, Jeremy, of holding on to that featherweight belt when he never fights in that? Nor will he, he's, he's realistically, so okay, just for people who aren't aware at the moment, this fight is lightweight this weekend, he's obviously been, he obviously moved up the couple of weight divisions to fight Nate Diaz a couple of times, so he's now fighting at what looks like a, probably a better weight all round, but yet he still, for some reason, is allowed to, well, for the reason of his stardom, I guess, is allowed to keep the belt that he won against uh, Jose Aldo all that time ago. Yeah, I mean, it's not even so much his stardom. It's his stardom combined with the fact that he makes them more money than most of the rest of the roster combined, pretty much. You know, I mean, this is the guy who, uh, without him, you know, I mean, they've got Ronda coming back. But without Connor, they don't have a giant bona fide blue chip star that can go all over the world and and, and be that big superstar. I mean, honestly, like, I mean, I you know, if he wins on Saturday night, he gives up the featherweight belt. Like, I've, I've said that for for months, I think I said it on you guys' show. He's never like he's never going to fight at featherweight again. He's never going to defend that title again. Um, if he wins that belt on Saturday night, I suspect he drops it. He just wants that picture, uh, that moment where he has two belts at once. But I mean, what are they going to do? Like they can try to strip him of the belt, and they could, but the backlash would be severe. And then they're losing one of their biggest, their absolute biggest cash cow, the guy who is responsible for a majority of their fight income. You know, you if you have a guy like that, you keep him happy and. I mean, truthfully, man, like Connor, with as much money as he pulls in for the UFC, he's vastly underpaid. The guy should be making fifty million to seventy-five million a fight, and he's not. And so that they, it is in their best interest to keep him happy, even with the new ownership WME, keep him happy for as long as he decides to keep fighting. What is he likely to get paid for this fight? Do, you, do we have those figures in advance? No, I don't. But I mean, you have to imagine that uh, with every single fight that he's that he's won, uh, not counting the Diaz loss, with every single fight he's won, his contract has gone up exponentially. You know, and I, and I think that he's he's got a pretty brilliant manager in Audi Attar, and you know, who's going to be sitting across the table from Ari Emanuel, and and those you know those were probably tough negotiations. But I mean, I would expect Connor to make twenty to twenty five million, maybe thirty million dollars for this fight, which, given what MMA. Given what the sport paid fighters just a few years ago before he came along and began his rise, it was like, I never would have dreamed that would see the day that somebody would be making the kind of money that Connor has made already. 
and it's, it's just going to keep growing. It's going to keep growing. I, I, I mean, I don't know any facts, but I, I would think it's probably going to be 20 to 20 to 30 million. This, uh, I am right in saying that this, uh, you, you say he's not going to go back down a weight. He, presumably there's no need to move back up again either. I mean, he, he got away with the Nate, Nate Diaz won the second time, or he got away with him and he won the fight fair and square. Lightweight should really be his weight, the weight he's going to be fighting at this weekend for the first time in UFC. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's just comfortable weight class. Obviously, he can fight at 170, but he is, you know, a little bit outgunned there, a little bit um, under undersized for that division. 155 is a sweet spot, man. Uh, you know, and and but the thing is, like, if he if he doesn't beat Eddie this this weekend, I I don't see him being a guy that's going to go okay. Well, I'll win two more fights and come back up. I mean, I, I think what you're seeing now is kind of like the maybe not the bell tolling on Connor's career. I mean, I think you're going to see. If I, I do think he's going to win, guys, and I think he's going to win fairly easily on Saturday. But if he if he doesn't, I mean, is he going to go back down and work his way up? I don't see him being that guy. I think maybe you see him take fights, super fights, but hey, whether they're at one seventy or one fifty five. But I don't think you're. I mean, you're. I mean, I've been saying for over a year he's not going to go back to one forty five. The cut is too hard on his body. Uh, I know Jose Aldo wants that rematch. The only way he's going to get it is if he goes up. And so. I, if Connor loses and he decides to keep fighting, you know, for a couple more years or a year or however long he decides to fight, I think you're going to see him just go for the big fights because we're in an era now where titles don't mean they still mean a little bit, but they don't mean as much as they used to, right? And WME has a big loan to pay back for that money that they used to purchase the UFC. They're going to be looking to make the biggest fights possible, and so I think you're going to see Connor uh, do the the money weight, the McGregor weight, Mayweather weight. I think you're going to see him bite the biggest opponents possible if he loses. Which again, I don't think he does. Yeah, it's interesting what's going on in the sport in general. This mega fight is being put on this huge card in New York City. This uh, big big money sale was made of the sport of the organization, and yet, as far as I'm aware, there. Are staff cuts going on around the place there are cards being cut it seems like there's at the very top at the McGregor end of it it's it's it seems to be floating along nicely but uh, it seems to be affected negatively elsewhere well so it's not it's not so much that uh, that things are going poorly for the UFC they're still making I mean last year was their most profitable year ever but uh, again these guys that came in and they bought the UFC they they took out a big loan to do it they've got to make big payments even the interest payments alone are, are crazy and WME historically if you think about if you know anything about Ari Emanuel, the agent, and, and Patrick Whitesell, the guys who who run WME that bought the UFC, I mean, they when they have purchased or merged with companies, because uh, they used to run a, an agency called Endeavor, and when they merged with William Morris and took it over, they fired 247 people on the first day and first day there, uh, they laid off 247 people. So this what this is is not a sign that things are going poorly. This is them making the machine leaner cutting costs that are no longer needed, no corporate jet, no gas for the jet, uh, you know, massive employee layoffs, unfortunately, because I've got a lot of friends there. Uh, you're seeing them make it, you know, tighter, leaner, more efficient. And it's going to be painful for a while, but I mean, it, in result, it's in a couple of years, I think you're going to see a machine that operates a whole lot better. Um, is it going to be the same thing that fight fans are used to? No, I, I don't think it is, but it is going to be a better business. Just a word on Alvarez, Jeremy. You're, you say you're not giving him much of a chance. If he is to win this fight, how does he go about it? What sort of a fight would he like this to turn into? I mean, obviously, you know, Eddie Alvarez has a history of just uh, getting in there and going to war. 
and that's not the kind of fight that he can win. Uh, in order to win, he's going to have to get in there, keep Connor close, because uh, Connor is, is one of the best strikers at range in the world. He's going to have to keep Connor close. He's going to have to use his wrestling to grind him down and kind of hope that he, he gasses out like he did against Diaz and, and then grind out a decision. I, I, but if Eddie Alvarez goes in there and does what he usually does, which is, you know, tries to have an exciting fight, he's going to get knocked out quickly. And that's, I mean, I think you're looking at a first or second round knockout for McGregor. Um, you know, it's Eddie historically has never been, he doesn't fight smart. He can, but he doesn't. He just, it's that, he's got that attitude where he goes in and just has a war and uh, throws caution to the wind. And I think it's going to cost him. Just before you head on, Jeremy, you wanted to mention another fight coming up? Yeah, man. Well, we've, uh, we just announced today that we've uh, lined up uh, John Jones and Dan Henderson. The the match that was supposed to happen at UFC 151, we're actually going to have them in a, a grappling match at um, Submission Underground 2. In, in December, December 11th, and it's going to be live on Flow Grappling. Uh, we're real excited about that. So, uh, yeah, if you if you wanted to see that fight, if you wanted to see those two guys go at it, we're going to give you a chance. Uh, this is even though John Jones was stripped of his heavyweight title. He had a one-year suspension from the UFC. Yeah, I mean, you, so the, the, the USADA and, and other commissions and uh, you know places around the world don't really regulate grappling competitions. Uh, and so, you know, he's free and clear. Uh, from what we've been led to believe, and we've done our, trust me, we've done our due diligence. We've been led to believe he's free and clear to grapple. So, yeah, the match is on. Jeremy Botter, great to talk. Thanks, Emil. Thank you. Owen McDevitt. All up in the interweb. Owen McDevitt. Worldwide. The Murph and Mackey for most welcome Irishman of the year goes to Owen McDevitt. Owen, Owen, Owen. Owen. Owen McDevitt. From Ireland's second captain show. All up in the interweb. Owen McDevitt. Worldwide. Second captains. Those guys, are like, those guys are like family to me, man. Owen McDevitt. This is Locke. The coolest song I've heard in my whole life. Owen McDevitt. All of you said I wouldn't make Stop it. Stop talking about Tom Finney. He said I was a loser. This guy is a bit of a turkey. <laughs> All right. They said I was a fucking psycho. But look at me now. All up in the interweb. Owen McDevitt. Worldwide. To say, for example, the Barcelona team you worked at, is it fair to say anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. Just a little bit of uh, colouring in there with regards to John Jones. He was stripped of his belt after he got a one-year suspension in the arbitration case for his failed drug test at UFC 200. It's the second time in the past two years that he's been stripped of a title. He was first uh, stripped in after uh, of the UFC light heavyweight title in April 2015 for his role in a hit-and-run accident. So uh, just in case you wanted to know who came up in the slightly odd end to that interview there. Simon, quite a bit of uh, excitement in the, in the air around Ireland, Canada. Yeah, the least hyped of the fixtures this November for Ireland, but it's a sellout at the Aviva. Um, it might have been wow. anyway, but on the back it's of the... It's a sellout. Yeah, mm. pretty good. That's a pretty sensational uh, result for the RFU. I think for a lot of people, it's the only ticket they can get because it's so hard to get it for the New Zealand-Australia games. Of course, yeah. But the team... Well, in three... There's three different papers that picked the same team and you sense it's either the journalists watching... Uh, them training or it's just the team has been leaked but when this happens it's almost always the team so I think we can go on the assumption that Joe Schmidt has made these changes it's a lightning fast Irish team I'd say one of the most sort of explosive Irish teams ever picked with uh, Tiernan O'Halloran Craig Gilroy and Keith Earls as the back three 
uh, Gary Ringrose and Luke Marshall in the centre. Paddy Jackson's back at out half with Kieran Marmion at scrum half. Keen Healy, Sean Cronin and Finlay Bealham in the front row. Peter Manny back with Sean O'Brien on the flanks. Uh, all in all, he's gone for athletes in every single position that he could go for and also bringing people back from injury, bringing fringe players in. Uh, Sorry, is Mike Ross on this team? No, Mike Ross is gone. He was kicked out of the original squad. Uh, his Irish career is probably over. Kicked out? <laughs> okay, so sorry. Yeah, I was there was just a ceremonial to, booting. Why yeah, have you asked about Mike Ross? I was just trying to figure out who was the slowest person on this team. And it's like Finley Beelham by like 10 miles, is it? It is, and yet he's not the same body shape as Mike. You know, he's not yeah. the old traditional tight head. In the same same way, Tyke Furlong was getting around the pitch making tackles on Ben Smith. So maybe if those was, those days are gone of if I incredibly was, slow tight heads. If I was involved in a sprint against this Ireland team, where would I finish? A sixteenth of sixteenth. <laughs> I'm not beating Finley Beelham in a 100 meter sprint. No. Damn you, well, Simon. He, Damn he, you to hell. I'm beating Finley Beelham in a sprint. Tear you up over the first 30 meters. You'd be so demoralized. Well, no, no. Demoralized by his lead. I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, you give up. <laughs> no, I've got that. Uh, Those props, mind, props are very fast over the first few yards. You know. Yeah, massive I mean, calves on them. I'm like um, Frankie Fredericks. You know, I'm, my my eyes are just straight down. <laughs> I'm not looking at what my opponent is doing. You uh, honestly think Finley Beelum will beat me? I, I don't want this to devolve into a Mick McCarthy, you know, sprint against. Who did he sprint against? Mick the, McCarthy. Mick McCarthy sprinted against, uh, took part in a sprint against an Irish journalist back in like. No. Yes. As he a did. player. Yeah, as a player. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> we we won't find that info out for the football podcast, okay. but. Okay. Okay, Sam. Well. Just one other thing to yeah. say on this team is that. Maybe under Eddie or Declan Kidney, um, you'd say these guys have just been shipped in for the easier game and they're gone out again. But Joe has shown it, it kind of consistently inconsistent and in bringing in guys who do well in training or he spots something in a game and he'll bring them in. I wouldn't rule out Gary Ringrose coming in, even though the centres played so well against New Zealand. Tierno Halloran the same. Who else? Keen Healy's starting to push Jack McGrath. So all the players who played well against New Zealand... You know, they've proven themselves, but I wouldn't rule out one or two of those coming in. Sean O'Brien, Peter Manny, there's loads of options there. Hit it. I've got a call here that says, you're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around. Go back to lecturing. You have the charisma of a sick bag. Oh, God. That's just it. I just Whoa. mentioned, not you, not me. Okay, ain't nobody fucking with my click. Click, 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 click. Ain't nobody fresher than my mom. We don't normally click, broadcast all click, the, the stuff click, that comes from scum click, around the country. Click. Mark Halpin actually got in touch with us on Twitter, but we're going to accept that as uh, as a means to become our scumbag of the week. And uh, Mark says, any chance of some balanced analysis from Saturday's rugby, please? Why were New Zealand so poor? What, if anything, did Ireland improve on from this summer? Also, Kearney had a decent game. His tackling, or lack thereof, was again amateur. In a one-off game, he beat a team that looked disinterested for the majority. If Ireland backed the win up with another one against them in a couple of weeks, then the hype might be acceptable. Let's face it, the way New Zealand played on Saturday, England would have absolutely slaughtered them. It's all about context, but sadly in Irish rugby, context was thrown out the window over a decade ago. Well, there you go, Mark, pouring a little bit of cold water on the hype that we were generating after our Why New would Zealand. you want balance after us beat New Zealand for the first time in <laughs> Donald history? Trump is the President of the United States and you're trying to ruin the fact that we beat New Zealand for the first time uh. in 111 years this week. I thought we did sorry, talk about, about it. I thought we did talk about quite, why, uh, well, particularly why uh, what Ireland did right and what they improved on. I, th- I thought that was mostly what the podcast was about, uh, actually. As for Kearney, listen, we've been critical of Kearney in the past. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people have in the past few years. 
But the times he was, the time, I, I presume you're talking about that early try that he was, like, when you're full back and you get exposed against New Zealand. Like and it's, best, na- and like it's Naholo, yeah. Yeah, best of luck. You know, I don't think that's That, that wasn't technique. Naholo's just an awful lot faster than Yeah, him, if I, anything, I that was Henshaw's him. fault that first try, wasn't yeah. it? Because Henshaw shot out of the line and failed to make his tackle. Yeah. But come on, when, when, when a guy has a game like that, a, a game for the ages, and reminds you how good he was, I think it's fair to hype him up a little bit. Took high balls, loads of line breaks, made most of his tackles. He missed one or two tackles. Positioning perfect, kicking perfect. I mean, we're we're not saying every single player got 10 out of 10 in that game, but as close to it as they could. And given the form Rob Kearney had come from, it was sensational performance. I think you're right, by the way, but I think England would have beaten them as well. I don't know if they would have slaughtered them, but New Zealand, we definitely got them on the hop and got them on the right night from our point of view, given that they had broken the record in retrospect. And not even totally in retrospect. I mean, this was the hope beforehand that they would be there possibly there for the taking but they've been there for the taking in the past and teams haven't done it and you have to play brilliantly just being with a chance not even to be with a chance to build the sort of lead that I, you need to build I watched it back again and we were brilliant we really were brilliant and we we kept at them that was the big thing that we spoke about this on the pod on Monday that we didn't just settle for you know 10 point lead 15 point lead we just kept going and same thing in the second half and then watching New Zealand come back at us with those three tries around the 50 minute mark there was very little we could do about those moments. You know, the Ben Smith try in the corner, the offload from, um, who was it? It was the out half. Yeah, it Barrett, was Bowden Barrage, yeah. Like, just, that was a, a, an unbelievable bit of skill and to get in the corner. So most of what New Zealand did in attacking sense, we couldn't do a whole lot about. Um, and they do that against any team. Like, our defence is every bit as good as England's. I don't agree necessarily that, well, you can't say if they'd been playing England that England would have slaughtered them. But, you know, it's a totally different occasion. The Irish crowd were unbelievable. There's a, there was a bunch of different factors. There was the Axel Foley um, factor as well. So there was a few things going on there for Ireland. New Zealand weren't at their absolute best, but for the majority of it, we didn't allow them to be at their best. Murph, I'd say you were happy to hear the former All Black, whose name escapes me now, criticising Craig Craig Dowd. Craig Dowd, yeah. yeah. He had to go with the All Blacks for going with a particularly aggressive form of the Hakka, given that Ireland were... Uh, you know. I, f- I actually think that that was one of the key moments in this entire game. <laughs> that they substituted one uh, one tribal dance for another. Well, it's a war crime, Irv. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the more sedate Kamate. But he, you know, he he wasn't he wasn't he was actually saying that it was disrespectful. Essentially, that Ireland were doing this very nice thing on the other side for a departed hero yeah. kind of thing, and New Zealand were going with their particularly aggressive form of their war cry. Honestly, on you just think I, any mention I, of the hack is that sense? Nothing to say. <laughs> I, I just yeah, I did, I I did read that this. though. I did read that, and I I just thought, you know, I I don't know what they think we know or think about the hacker. Right. I mean, I I don't I don't know that the Irish players are looking at this going, oh, they've changed. They've the, gone for the real murderous for, one. Yeah. Mm, he's not slitting his throat this time. We've a better chance in this game. <laughs> oh God. Honestly. God, I'd lifted your mood there for Good. most of the show and then I brought up the hacker. Lights okay. tour. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you spend any time okay, in, if you spend any time in New Zealand, the hacker's on the TV every day. It's on the street every day. Like there's buskers who do the hacker. Oh yeah, the best men's speeches. You see these the hacker being done. Yeah. Like, this goes viral from time to time and it's like, okay, uh, yeah. Okay, enough hacker talk. Thanks very much to Mark Halpin for that email though. Oh no, that tweet at secondcaptains. You can email us secondcaptains at irishtimes.com. Yes, Mark. Uh, Mick McCarthy did indeed take uh, journalist John O'Shea of the uh, Evening Press right. on in a sprint. Beat him twice. <laughs> then the following evening, uh, hurt his groin playing five-a-side. 
And obviously the rumour very quickly went out that he hurt his groin sprinting against a journalist. So Simpler times. Nothing is uh, no, nothing of that nature has happened until the Murphy Beelum showdown that I'm going to try and get to work setting up over the next couple of weeks. Austria versus Ireland will be discussed in detail in the Irish Times Second Captain's Football podcast today. Ken at the moment is just on his way back from the Web Summit in Lisbon. So we'll get recording that when he gets back. If you enjoyed our Trump chat with US Murph, we do have a full election podcast that we recorded yesterday, Apodcalypse Now. It's available on the Second Second Captain's Extras iTunes feed and Second Captain's Extras on SoundCloud. I just realised I can't say that very well. Second Captain's Extras. Say it slowly, Owen. Say it slowly. That's the one with all our treasure trove of audio montages and so on. And yes, we did include the greatest television ad of all time in our election coverage. Hello? Hello. Who's this? This is Lebanon. Lebanon? Where have you been all this time? I'm here. I never moved. It's you who left. I didn't want to, but things haven't been easy. It has been even harder on me. I've always wanted to come back, but I... Well, I've been working hard day and night, and now things have changed. I'm back on my feet again. So why do you need me? I want you to walk with me. Home is waiting. Yeah, that's an ad for... Purchasing property in the <laughs> Lebanon there that was aired repeatedly during CNN's coverage. Of I like the Lebanon's accent. He sounds yeah, like what, what you think uh, Siri should sound like. <laughs> you know, or one of those voice programs. Bit creepy. Yeah, yeah. Confident though. Really yeah, he confident. Was. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you'd go about casting that. I want it to sound like a country. <laughs> If you could just, if you could just make yourself sound more like an entire country, <laughs> that, that last take was pretty good. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, uh, Owen. There. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Murph. There. Thanks, Owen. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.